Hello, this is Terry Cheek. I want to thank you for choosing our broadcast, and my prayer is that it will be an encouragement to your walk with the Lord. Comments or questions can be directed to me via the link on our sermon audio page. Now, on to your selection. Luke chapter 1 and beginning with verse 46. Before I read the passage, I want to share a little bit of a history, a little bit of a introduction, if you will. We're going to pick up the Christmas story after the angel Gabriel has came to Mary and told her that she has found favor with God. Also, the angel Gabriel has came to Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, a much older lady, but nonetheless Mary's cousin, and said that she had found favor with God also. She was going to have a son. She was to name his son John. Mary was going to have a son, and she was to name his their son Jesus, and he would be the son of God. Now, this is something really interesting for Mary to try to absorb. In case you've never really understood it or thought about it, Mary wasn't but around 15 years old when she had Jesus. Mary also wasn't married. She was engaged to Joseph. So here you have a young woman, and that was, that was a normal situation in that day. Women married very young, and they started having children very young because the life expectancy in those days was very young. Many times people, many women passed away in their 40s and 50s in Bible times. So they started having their families very young. But with all of that, here was what Mary was faced with. Mary grew up in an area where and in a time when it just wasn't socially acceptable for an unmarried woman to have a child. And I mean, it really wasn't socially acceptable. But this is how God chose to work. Now, here Mary is in that spot and in that position. And Mary says, I have found favor with God. Then so be it. Let God have his way. Mary didn't worry about what the people in the community thought. Mary didn't worry about what uh, the folks in the, uh, down at the church house thought. She was excited because her, a poor peasant woman, was chosen of God to be used by him, to, to serve him. My, what an awesome thing that was to her. So what we're going to hear this morning is what's called the Magnificat of Mary. Mary actually comprised the song much similar to Hannah's song back over Samuel. And it was something that she shared with Elizabeth. She had went to be with Elizabeth and visit Elizabeth. 
And when Mary got close to Elizabeth, Elizabeth was about six months along with John the Baptist at this time. When Mary got close to Elizabeth, John the Baptist started leaping in Elizabeth's womb because Jesus was so close to her. And Elizabeth was just so excited about this. And these are the words that Mary had to say. Having all of this absorbed into her heart, she had to tell somebody. And she chose her cousin, Elizabeth. And this is what she said. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low esteem of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath hope in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months, and returned to her own house. So with those thoughts, I want us to think a little while this morning on how we should praise God. And I want us to see from Mary's example of how she praised God in this time in her life, this joyful time, this controversial time, this beautiful time. I want you to see how she praised God, and I want you to see how that can be an example for you and I to praise God also. So I want to begin this morning by asking you a question. Have you ever thought about what it would be like to be part of God's big plan. To be in a spot like Mary was. To be used in supernatural ways and for supernatural purposes. Well, this Christmas story begins with a young peasant girl from a little village. And it is understood that Mary, who was a teenager, when she found out she was pregnant, she was pregnant, she was unmarried, and her question was, who would understand? Who would understand what was going on? And let me just add this. If Mary told, and as Mary told her story about Gabriel the angel, and about being chosen of God to bear his son, how believable do you think that story was in that day? Really and honestly, be honest with yourself now. If someone came up to you today and told you that story today, how probable is it that you would believe it? Hmm? So imagine, that's, this is today in the 21st century. Imagine what Mary was facing in the 1st century. 
but she still found joy. And she still found the ability to praise God. What we're looking at in this passage is the idea that even in the most unbelievable of circumstances and situations that we find ourselves in, there is something to praise God with. God can be found there. Now that doesn't say if we create them from sin that God's going to be found. His redemptive love story is going to be found. God's going to be there ready to help us out of that situation. But we all find ourselves in life in situations that we're in some really unexplainable situations and circumstances. And I want you to understand something this morning. Remember the question I asked? Have you ever thought about what it would be like to be part of God's big plan, to be part of His supernatural purposes? You are. You are. Every one of you are part of God's big plan. In some way or another, God is using your lives, your circumstances, and your situations to touch other people and to reach other people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So this morning, when we think about Mary as a model for praise, three things I want us to consider. First, we should praise God for doing great things for us. That's what Mary reminds us to do. She says in that famous line in verse 48, Behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Why? Why will they call Mary blessed? For he that is mighty hath done to me great things. Mary remembers what all God has done for her. Her blessed condition comes from heaven. This morning, when you're asking yourself, how do I fit in? How is God going to use me in his big supernatural plans? Think about what God has already done in your life. Think about what God has already made happen through you. Think about the great things that have already happened by him being present in your life. That's how God is going to begin working. That's how he began working in Mary's life. This was just the beginning of God working in her life. If you read the gospel, any of them, and all of them, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you will follow Mary from the time she gave birth to Jesus up through the resurrection and the ascension and and everything of that nature, and you will find God using her and working through her to bless other people and to point other people to her Son, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mary was not a Savior. Mary was not this person that had any spiritual authority. All of that lied on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. No one can save souls except Jesus Christ. No one can die on Calvary's cross except Jesus Christ. No one can take the place of Jesus Christ. Not his mother, not his brothers, not anyone. 
But yet they all played a role in the gospel message. You today play a role in the gospel message. God does work through and God does use you in his overarching plan. In the big picture of eternity. There are people, and some of you have heard me say this before. There are people that you can reach in life, that you have influence over, that I will never be able to reach, that I will never be able to talk to. But there are people that you have that impact with. Those people are people that you will be touching with the gospel. Those are people that God is putting in front of you to touch with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, the question then becomes not what if, but how can I be used of God? How can I do like Mary? How can I be Mary? How can I say, God has chosen me? And that's something we all need to look at. We all need to look at and be asking God, what does he have in store for me? What does he want in my life? Well, we can also back up and we can also talk about well, what I have done, the decisions that I have made. Uh, what about my past? What about this and what about that? Let me share with you a poem. I don't know who wrote it, but it has a lot of meaning. I asked God to take away my pain. God said, no. It is not for me to take away, but for you to give up. I asked God to take my handicapped child whole and to make him whole. God said, no. Her spirit was whole. Her body is only temporary. I asked God to grant me patience. God said, no. Patience is a byproduct of tribulation. It isn't granted. It is earned. I asked God to give me happiness. God said, no. I give you blessing. Happiness is up to you. I asked God to spare me pain. God said, no. Suffering draws you apart from worldly care and brings you closer to me. I asked God to make my spirit grow. God said, no. You must grow on your own, but I will prune you to make you fruitful. I ask for all things that I might enjoy life. God said, no. I will give you life so that you may enjoy all things. I ask God to help me love others as much as he loves me. I ask God to help me love others as much as he loves me. God said, ah, finally you have the idea. How can God and how will God use us? He will use us as we learn to love others as he has loved us. He will use us and grow us closer to him as we experience the troubles and the difficulties and the tribulations of life. He will pull us closer to him. He will take us in our troubles and he will prune us through those difficulties so that we draw and bear spiritual fruit.
And I don't know how much you know about what that really means, but if you've ever worked around or been around an orchard much, every year, and it's getting close in February, the people in the orchards will have to go in and start pruning the fruit trees. They have to prune those fruit trees in order for them to grow and bear better fruit for the coming spring. So when God says that he will prune us to make us fruitful, he will cut away the parts of our life that are unfruitful, the parts of our lives that are dying, the parts of our lives that we are struggling with so that we can bear better fruit, so that we can bear better things for him. So we should praise God for doing great things for us so that we can be closer to Him. We should praise God for giving mercy to those who fear Him. Now when I say fear Him, I'm not talking about a fear of physical attack or a fear of violence. I'm talking about a fear that comes from reverence. How reverent are we to God? Do we really have a sensitivity to His presence? Do we really know when He is here? Do we really know how easy it is for our words to hurt God? Do we know how easy it is for us to draw further away from Him instead of get closer to Him? Verse 50 reminds us, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. His mercy is on those that fear him from generation to generation. God promises mercy to anyone who reveres his name, anyone who takes him seriously. I think we have a big problem with that today in our society as a whole. I don't think society as a whole takes God seriously. There are so many things today that are put up on a pedestal to be God. We are taught and told from the time we are small children that we can worship anything or anyone we want to worship. And we grow up believing that. But yet, how seriously do we take and do we teach our children and our grandchildren that there is only one God? And that is the God of heaven, the God of glory. There is only one God. And that is the God, the Father of Jesus Christ. There is only one God. The God that rose and resurrected him from the dead so that he could bring eternal life to those who would call upon him. There is only one God. The God of heaven. Only one. Do we fear him and do we revere him? the way we should. Mary, Mary feared God. That's why she didn't worry about what society said about her. That's why she didn't worry about what was going on, what the neighbors were saying, what the folks at the church were saying. She didn't worry about any of that other stuff going on because she knew what God had already told her. 
She knew the word that had already came into her life. She knew what was taking place and who was in charge of everything. She could care less about everybody else. What was important was what was going on between her and God. Think about that in our lives and in your lives when things are going on. If you know you're right with God and the way things are going in your life, don't you worry about what anybody else has to say. Don't you let any of that pull you down or tear you down or anything of that nature. Because as long as you're right with God, you have His mercy on your side. You have His grace. You have His power. You have His authority. But now if you don't have God on your side, if you're not right with God, you better start getting right with Him because you could have some big problems. It's a very easy test. We go to our Bible and we see what God has to say about the situation we're in. And then it's a yes or no answer. Am I right with God or am I not? And I found myself on the wrong side of that answer more than once. And I'll tell you from experience, if God wants to get your attention in some matter, He can get your attention in it. And it may not always be pleasant, but He can always get your attention if He wants it. Is that really how we want to live our spiritual lives Is that really how we want to walk with God? Do we want to be pushing and pressing God to get our attention? Mary didn't want that. Mary said, if I have to be on somebody's bad side, let it be man. I'd rather be on God's good side and man's bad if I have to make a choice. That's something that we can think about and think, something we can take from her experience and apply it to our lives. The realization, God operates in something called a paradox. His ways are not our ways. He's not impressed by our knowledge. He's not impressed with the things that we have. He's not impressed with our wealth. God is impressed with obedience and submission. And He is impressed with how we love others. That doesn't mean that we're going to always agree. I think that's a big problem we have today. We We have to come to the idea that we can't love somebody unless we're in total agreement with them. We can disagree and still love one another. We can't. We can't. You can like the color orange and I can like the color blue and we can still love one another. You can like a Ford and I can like a Chevrolet and we can still love one another. You can like red carpet and I can like no carpet and we can still love one another. It's not about agreeing or disagreeing. It's about having it right from the heart and in the spiritual matters. That's where God is with all of us. That's where He is with all of us. That's why He makes us all different. So we can be our own individual person. But still, we all have a soul. And that's where love comes from. It comes from our soul. Well, I said there were three. And the third one is we should praise God because He keeps His promises. Verses 54 and 55. Mary shifts from an individual prayer to praying for her nation. 
She says he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary reminds us that this God who is doing a new thing is the same God who has always been there for her people. The same God that promised way back in Isaiah and Psalms that a Messiah was coming was the God that delivered him through Mary in this book. The same God that promised him and the same God that delivered him is the same God that's present in this room in this worship service this morning. And he's the same God that's going to see you through your time and he's going to fulfill the promises that he's made in your life. He's not going to drop the ball now. He's God. He's not going to drop the Bible, and he's not going to fumble for anybody. The very fact that he has fulfilled every promise he has ever made to everyone he has ever made it to is proof that what he has promised to you, he is good enough, strong enough, powerful enough, and worthy to fulfill it. Are we ready to receive it, though? Are we ready to say, as Mary said, He has chosen me? Of all the people He has chosen me to make these promises to, of all the people He has chosen me to put these things in my life so that I can get closer to Him, of all things, He had me, of all people, He put these particular troubles and these difficulties and these situations in my life so that I can get closer to God. That's a wonderful, beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing that God would love us enough to want to fulfill these promises that he's made. To never leave us and forsake us. You know, when I was going over this this morning and thinking about it, I remembered the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son got everything that his daddy had. He got it early. He took it. He went and blowed it. And then while he was there wallowing in the, with the hogs and eating with the hogs, he had rather be a slave in his father's house because he would be treated better. So when he went back to ask for a spot of being a slave in his father's house, and his father threw open his arms and welcomed him home, fulfilling the promise of always being his father. When we're ready to come back to God, he's there with his arms flung open ready to welcome us back home again. The promises that he made are promises that he's still going to fulfill. I said earlier, give a little rundown about God's promises of Jesus. Let me share with you a few of them. In Isaiah seven fourteen, God promised the Messiah would be born of a virgin. In Micah 5, 2, that he would be born in Bethlehem. In Daniel 9, 24 through 27, he gave a timetable of the Messiah's revival. In Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, 
12, it was spoken that Jesus would be a suffering servant who would save his people. In Deuteronomy 18:15 and through 19, Moses promised a prophet like himself to deliver the people, and Jesus delivered us from our sin. Zechariah 9, 9 predicted that he would come riding in on a donkey. Zechariah 11, 12, and 13 said he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Zechariah 12, 10 said he would be pierced through his side. Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22 give details of his execution. Over 300 Old Testament scriptures talk about Jesus, and every one of them were fulfilled. If God can fulfill that many promises over that many thousands of years, he can fulfill the promises he's made in your life and in my life. Are we going to make ourselves available? Mary, give us a picture of making herself available. I think this time at Christmas, this time of year, we talk about the presence of Jesus and the birth of the baby and the manger and and all of those wonderful pictures and images that we have. Jesus, even as an infant, made himself available to anyone who would walk up to him and anyone who would be there. But they had to come to him. That story still holds true today. He's there. He's there for you and I right now if we'll come to him. So this morning as we close, that's what I want to ask. Whatever it is in your life, and we all have our stories, we all have our situations. Whatever it is in your life, though, if there's something there that hasn't been brought to Jesus, if there's for some reason you haven't came to him as Lord and Savior, maybe you did. Maybe you're that prodigal child this morning. And maybe you need to come back to him. He's standing there with his arms flung wide open. Just like he was in that manger. Jesus is there just waiting for you to come to. And this morning as we close in prayer, it's an opportunity for you to do so. And if you need to talk after we pray, I'm here, I'm available, I'll be glad to sit with you and talk with you and work out anything that is troubling you. But this morning, let's think about the promises and let's think about praising Jesus. And let's think about what Mary taught us in those verses that we just read. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of sharing your word with these ladies this morning. Thank you for everything you've done. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. It is because of him that we're here today. It is because of him that we're listening to your word. It is because of him and the way he changes lives and saves souls. Heavenly Father, there's just no words that can describe how wonderful he is. And God, I ask that you'd look upon every heart. I pray that you'd touch and bless every life here. Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that they would come to know you before it's eternally too late, and especially before this day is out. 
Our Heavenly Father be with us throughout the week that's ahead. Lead, God and direct us. May your word not return to you void, but may it accomplish everything you have purposed it to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.